0: title for tonight's talk could be becoming who you are or becoming who we already are and it's it's one way that I like talking about how we might experience ourselves and how we might show up in the world as we progress along uh, the Buddhist path. In our tradition, the path of insight meditation. Which, as you know, if you come around, and particularly if you're sitting retreat, there's a parallel track of training, if you will, in the heart practices, particularly in kindness practice or metta, which we tend to do quite a lot of. And the way I'm uh, the way I'm thinking about sharing this tonight, it feels really it feels really simple and, and concise in a sense. It's, it seems to me that there are two easy defaults when we get into this question of what is the self. And one is uh, to talk about the absolute self or the ultimate self. And that's a high Buddhist ideal that is often associated with the idea of anatta or not self. And this comes about through the development of a very distinct kind of insight. And that insight leads to wisdom. And the wisdom is that what we're experiencing and calling a self, the me or I that is moving through the world and having relationships and getting jobs and losing jobs and having health issues and having financial success and having financial issues and that this whole experience is really an impermanent flux of a great range of mental and physical phenomena that are ultimately and simply the result of prior causes and conditions that there's no person behind the steering wheel as much as it feels like that and really when we start to get a real grasp of dukkha or um, suffering we see that we're trying to drive this vehicle if you will but the the great misunderstanding is that there's we're not behind we're not in the driver's seat and there's not even a car to be driven (laughs) but we fashion ourselves to be in the sea. And it's a pretty bumpy ride sometimes, isn't it? So that's one way of understanding the self, that's one view. Uh, And another view is um, the extreme relative view. So we have the absolute or ultimate view And then on the other end of the spectrum and on the very far end we have what I call extreme relative view. And that is the self defined by our convenient social roles. All the agreed upon and accepted uh, ways of understanding one another. Uh, So we have our vocational roles. Employed, unemployed, student, carpenter, accountant, artist, teacher, clinician, lawyer, you name it, right? Plumber, fill-in, you know, whatever occupation or many occupations that you've had. Uh, we have our familial roles. Our that's a particular kind of self. We have son, daughter, mother, father, grandmother, nephew, niece. We have we have these roles, right? And then we have our economic position. There's some uh, self identity there. Poor affluent, and anywhere in between. Sort of We get these three, you know, sort of a karmic possibility of one of, these, one of these three. Of course it can change, but we, we tend to find ourselves in one of these distinct uh, locations. These are all locations. Uh, if you've done any uh, work with uh, Rod Owens, who sometimes will teach here, he talks about our our, our place, our location. I, I I talk about these sometimes as categories of experience and categories of identification. This is how we know ourselves and how other people can recognize us. And we can even we can we can tell others about ourselves through these convenient uh, agreed upon social uh, <coughs> terms or definitions. But this is not really who we are, right? This is. It's too simplistic. So what I want to talk about tonight is uh, an expression of self that is both, uh, in, it, that is in the middle of and inclusive of this relative and absolute self, and I want to call this our actual self, right? So this is our actual self. So this uh, actual self is a very, uh, a very deep, I'll have to define that, a very deep and ordinary uh, self-expression, a very deep and a very, very ordinary uh, experience and expression of who we are. So by deep, I mean a fairly strong, contains a fairly strong self-awareness, um, it's authentic. It's very real. Uh, it's, it has an inclusive quality. It's very whole. It's very full. It, it accompanies and it accounts for a lot of who we really are. So to be in relationship to our own actual self or another's actual self would result from transparency honesty and humility so this is a uh, its it's manifestation is self-effacing if you will self-effacing but inclusive of dignity and self-respect this uh actual self would be self-effacing but inclusive of dignity and self-respect okay. so this actual self would have both us and others not reduced not reduced to the identities we associate with our titles in social categories or locations. Does that make sense? That we wouldn't reduce ourselves or others to a title, right? Uh, to their economic position. Those are important, but we wouldn't reduce somebody to uh, their role, their, the color of their skin, their sexual orientation, right? All relevant, all important. Okay. Now on the other hand, we don't inflate or overestimate ourselves or others by hiding or by letting others hide behind the absolute or ultimate view. Does that also make sense? So this is this is alluding to spiritual materialism and spiritual or psychological bypassing, right? Right? It's like we let ourselves or another get away with an unskillful behavior because it's all empty anyway, <laughs> right? We get this sort of Vajrayana or Tantric. Uh, we misinterpret the, these high teachings of emptiness and we use it as an excuse, right? Uh, we see this where there's abuse of power, for example, right? And it's, it's written off as, sort of a, you know, I'm exercising my free will and there's no one to be hurt because there's no self, right? So this is a, uh, an extreme case or usage of the ultimate view of self that completely denies any form of uh, relative existence, which is the existence where we can hurt others and where we can be hurt, right? So, the actual self is everything in between, and when I first started thinking about this, it was after a period of time when I was very interested in finding ways to teach uh, about this hard-to-comprehend, Idea of emptiness and absolute self. And I did and do see uh, moving in that direction as uh, an appropriate goal and possible development for all of us on this path. And if we talk too much about it, we're not creating enough space for this. the importance of really uh, making space for, and and even making space for encouraging the actual self. And I think that actually this is where a lot of our healing and growth and transformation comes from. So I'm starting to think about this category as a way of describing a high level of development and maturity psychologically spiritually whether we choose a buddhist path or some other way of working with and understanding the mind so this is basically all the parts and pieces of ourselves that are um, not always comfortable to come to terms with that we have often developed strategies for not seeing uh, repressing maybe we start to see them within ourselves but we are still hiding (coughs) hiding behind a persona or a mask and not letting everyone in to see these parts of ourselves and what i'd like to suggest is that there's limitations for us and that there's limitations for others and for our relationships when we when we live that way that um, there's a form of uh, constriction uh, there's a there's a a way in which we're uh, keeping dukkha intact uh, by not really allowing for a fuller embrace of this actual of this actual self. So here's uh, so the best way to do this is is to is to I think, you know, for now is to give some examples and and I started I started listing some Things that I've noticed, some, some traits, uh, habits, mind states that I've noticed within myself that uh, were either hard for me to come to terms with and or were and sometimes still hard to let other people know about. And so I have some of those. And then I said, geez, I'm going to be hanging my head really low if I only... Only okay. say though but that 's not true you 'll see at the end that I come around and say that 's actually not true but and then and then I have a little list of of parts of my actual self that i that uh, are are immensely constructive and, and hold a real positive value and force in my own life too so there's sort of, there's sort of two lists, and what you'll notice is that sometimes the lists completely contradict each other and and that is truly because there are these parts of myself that really coexist in it, in it and it seems like they might not, but they do. <clears throat> so, I often feel like I'm working way too much, way too much. It's, I, can't, I actually can't figure out how to eliminate the feeling that I'm working too much. And what's interesting about starting to pay attention to this is that I feel like I'm always working too much and always, and, and never doing enough. I'm never doing enough. Which, and I'm, I'm jumping w- way ahead. I have some of this list memorized. I'm jumping way ahead toward the bottom of my list. Um, this is connected to this nearly incessant um, pushing. Uh, there's this sort of—it's a little hard to describe. But there's a sort of pushing uh, at my life. It's sort of like uh, like uh, rushing, <coughs> push, you know. Like I'm always behind. That the the result of of these two things is a sense of like being behind. I'm, I'm not so sure what I'm behind on but there's just this this sense of like I'm not enough somehow there's a sense of like I'm not enough somehow and that basic feeling of not being enough gets uh, it permeates almost everything and um, it's getting a lot better and I I do want to say you know it's there's a lot of ways to see ourselves and make change in our lives but you know, I feel very comfortable saying that meditation, more than anything, has really helped me start to, to see this and change it and to, and to, sort of slow down and back up and you know stand a little taller and just stand in the present moment and right. And I've used this image before, so some of you will know this, but I can remember an early meditation interview with one of my first teachers and. I was very anxious in the interview, and much more anxious than I, am, than I am now in my life generally, and I was trying to explain my experience of myself, and I said, it's like this is my feet and this is my head, and I'm moving through life like this, you know, and that's what it, that's what it really always felt like and still does sometimes. And so practice has been, it's, it's been a lot about like getting my feet underneath my shoulders, Experientially, like, can I just, you know, really be just present right here? Can I be in this? Can I be? Can I be in this week? Mm-hmm. And then can I be in this day? And then can I be in this hour? And then can I be in this minute? And then can I just be in this breath? Right? Can I just be in this moment? Um, <clears throat> so some other things about me, about about myself. Well. I really understand now I'm over on the other side of the list. I really, truly understand the importance of self-care. Not everybody does, right We know this. I really understand the importance of self-care uh, f- for my ability to do this job, which I interpret as having a lot of responsibility, to be uh, a really a good partner to my partners, uh, to be, uh, to show up in my uh, to my extent with my extended family to my extended family uh, in the way that I want to i self care is really really important and i'm often not very good at it so now i'm back on the other side of the list i find it very very hard to follow through in this particular area on what i know is good for me and it, i think it's connected to the first Piece that I was talking about. It's like if I stop or slow down, something's going to fall apart. And to the degree that I don't <clears throat> heed my own, you know, as long to the degree that I don't follow my own understanding, uh, there is a negative impact. And you know, I like to say I'm a really slow learner. Like I'm a really like I know there are certain things that I should be doing during the day or throughout the week. And despite all. That I get behind as a teacher and all the teachings that I emphasize. uh, Sometimes I don't put things aside when I need to, right? Like sometimes I don't slow. I sometimes I don't often. I don't slow down and stop, right? So what else can I tell you about me? Uh, Violence, even what some people might consider mild forms of. Aggression uh, make me really scared and eventually really sad. If I if I feel into the, the the you know being scared, the fear, if I stay with that, I I'm sad. It makes me uh, very uncomfortable to be around um, uh, people who are aggressive, particularly violence. Is you know there's a part of me that really wants to shut down. I don't. I don't dissociate. I, I can stay present. I can listen. I can watch. I can get in and try to. You know, make a situation better, but uh, I'm quite scared. And uh, if I allow myself, or if there's an occasion to stay in that kind of environment, I get deeply, deeply sad. You, 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 you know that I've been talking a lot about what I'm seeing in the war. You know, I've spoken like for like six weeks in a row. I've been teaching about the relationship between violence and meditation practice and Dharma, and really. Really, my experiences uh, have been I've, been... I've been talking a lot about confusion in my teachings, but really, it's the, this, what has propelled me to do all of that is not only the confusion, but the sadness, I think, wanting to really work with it in a constructive way. Uh, so I go through my life, in a sense, pretty vulnerable. I find the world to be pretty aggressive, and uh, I I feel that I'm sometimes I feel like I'm too sensitive to actually be in this world that we live in. Uh, and and my sense is I've always been like that. I can remember people telling me to stop being so sensitive. Or stop being so sensitive. And it would, and, and, and I realized that it wasn't that long ago, I was talking to a family member, and they, and they said, you know, why don't you just stop being so sensitive, and it clicked, and it was like, I had this memory of how many times that had probably been told to me. <laughs> and then my next thought was, wait a minute, like, I've actually spent the last 20 years trying to find my sensitivity, because uh, in, in certain critical environments, in my uh, <coughs> What <clears throat> during my formative years I wasn't given permission to be a very sensitive being and <laughs> like you know I'm learning how to do that don't tell me not to don't tell me not to do that right uh, don't tell me not to do that because it makes you uncomfortable right because you're not because feelings make you uncomfortable I'm really afraid that what I have that I've worked really hard for uh, will be that I, that I enjoy, that I like that is, if you said well, well why are you happy uh, and I gave you my answer whatever is within that answer I'm afraid will be taken away from me and I went through a, a, a profound change in my life which I remain immensely uh, Grateful for over the course of like let's say like two to four years ago, there was sort of a you know it, was, it took place over a span of time, but there was like there was like um I had a teacher once in my twenties who who I saw once or twice a year uh, and it was like my sixth or seventh and he was in my sixth or seventh year knowing him he he um he said once, he said, you know, I feel like I'm starting to arrive in the body of the man I've been looking for my whole life, you know, and it's I, I've sort of been, and, and I remember, remember hearing him say that, and I said, geez, like, that would be nice, you know, yeah. and there's this sense recently of like starting to arrive, uh, and I, it, it, it caused, it, it allowed for a, a, an immense relaxation. Um, particularly around some of this sort of grasping and or you know pushing toward the future stuff, and I was I was only able to settle into that ease and and, and for a very short period of time because immediately the mind came in and said it's going to all get taken away from you you're going to lose it, and I and I still have to contend with that I still have to have that all every day. <coughs> I have uh, a concern and sometimes a fear that others won't be able to meet my needs. And so this, this results in me feeling really alone. And the truth is I really want to be connected to, each, to, to others. I really want trustworthy, uh, safe, uh, long-lasting relationships. Re- I'm an introvert, but relationships are very, very important. To me, I do better with close, like like fewer, really close, safe relationships than I do with a lot of relationships, a lot of people, a lot of social commitments. Um, but there's this awkward tension that I can't deny around feeling like others probably are not going to meet my needs, and and this is this is also something that's that's getting a lot better, um, but. I still, have to, I still have to claim it if I really want to be real. Uh, th- another title for this talk could be like getting real or being real. Like if I really want to be real, I still have to, I still have to recognize that this is, this is part of who I am. It's part of how I operate. What's different now is that I can see this show up. I can see it as an idea. And I, and I have a lot of doubt I have much more doubt that it's true and I can bring more people in I can bring them in more deeply and I can ask of people more. <coughs> I can ask of people more right so it's really and, and, and that's how I'm breaking the habit right it's like by doing and then, and then I realize like, oh that actually went really well that person is completely able to show up for me right so we have to, we have to press we have to press into these ideas Um, I have a fair amount of um, body self-consciousness there's a kind of vanity that uh, theoretically I don't have because I've taken these teachings to heart and I know that material form doesn't matter that much and happiness doesn't come from external or physical things and that those teachings, those ideas, those theories are partially integrated, partially. And so I spend quite a bit of time um, thinking about and feeling self-conscious about what it's like to have this body, what it looks like, what it feels like. I, I have a spinal injury. I have immune disorder. So there's a lot of body stuff. And one of the things that's really interesting about my relationship with my own body and how I'm perceived by others is that people perceive me as being strong and healthy. And that was even worse when I was a full time yoga teacher because of all the projections that we put on top of people who do that kind of work. When I go to meditation centers and and I go to the office to sign up, and they're giving people their yogi jobs. Do you know what yogi jobs are? That's like, you're gonna wash dishes, or rake leaves, or clean the toilets. And invariably, almost every time, they see me come, and they look down at the list, and they say, okay. And they give me some horrendous job with like heavy lifting or you know. And, and you know, I usually say something like, thank you for stereotyping me. And, uh, you know, but, you know, that really frustrates me because you made an assumption that I'm, you know, strong and able and I have a spinal injury and I have an immune disorder and I have to be really careful about how I treat my body. and uh, My senses. you saw me come up to the table and you gave me the absolutely the hardest thing on that list. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we did. You know, it's like it happens every time. So when I do get really close to people uh, and really allow myself to become reliant upon others, which I find to be an expression of secure relationship, not that we are exclusively reliant on, on another person, I th- I think that we have to always be taking responsibility for uh, you know, playing our own role and caring for ourselves, but when we allow ourselves to be attached and connected and reliant upon others to some extent, then I become afraid that they'll leave me. Right? Right? Uh, also something that's getting uh, getting much, much better. But when I really open my heart and really let through. Uh, reverence for someone uh, really feel my trust in someone else really appreciate how they live their life what they're capable of accomplishing independent of me what they're capable of doing for me when I really see the value of the person that I've let so deeply into my life then the fear well they'll probably leave me and so I'll have the pain of loss that's the projection Like I'll have the you know, so then, so then we can back up, right? Well, I'm not going to love them anymore, right? And then going back to the other side of this this list, you know, really looking, you know, holistically at myself, uh, I have uh, I have always had a very very distinct uh, sense of passion, very clear intentions for. Uh, who I did, who, who I do want to be and how I do want to live my life. I don't have a lot of ambiguity around that. It, it, now, sorting that out has had different levels of clarity, and I've gone into different phases of clarity and ambiguity. But the, but the underlying passion that I seem to have inherited in this lifetime was uh, unfailing pursuit. Of that clarity who who am I and how do I want to live my life that would that's what I'm mo that's what I've always been most interested in which I, and, and I've never given up on uh, so that's always held me so this is a sort this is a genuine and this these this side of the list is almost even harder to talk about because now I have to say some things that I'm proud about right like I actually find the other list easier at this point in my life um, I, re- I, I really trust my intentions. Like I really, really trust uh, a, a whole array of what I would call good intentions. Intentions that are good because should I get, continue to get better at accomplishing them, I will contribute in a way that matches my view of um, a good life, of contributing and serving uh, as much as I can in this lifetime right um, I understand the importance of self-care I already shared that um, close and meaningful relationships are important uh, and this I found this really really interesting it, it's almost like it could exist on another list but I'm, I'm putting it here anyway i'm I'm not afraid of dying that's a real that's a very real part of, of who I am and It allows me to do a lot of things, I I feel like it allows me to do a lot of things in my life uh, that a fear of dying might get in the way of. Um, It allows me to take certain kind of, it allowed me to take certain kind of risks. I also think this is partly connected to staying committed uh, to clear purpose throughout my life. Um, I have the basic sense that I'm doing my best and if I die it's okay. I'm I'm doing my best, and I, you know, to some extent, I really can't ask myself to do any more than that. I'm sort of like, you know, doing my best. So what what is the benefit? Uh, and you can see how any one of us could have our own similar lists. And I actually recommend that people do this do this work, uh, and we could not want to really name and sit in the experience of these kinds of um, attributes, these traits, right? So, and we, you know, so we all have our, our list. So what, whatever it is that we are, whoever it is that we are, what is the benefit of really being honest? really letting into one's awareness all of oneself well the first is that we create safety we create more safety for ourselves and we create safety for other people Uh, and we can start to relax a little bit I uh, as some of you know I'm in a like (coughs) three, four, four February three three and a half months into a new relationship and my partner just spent two weeks at my house which was the longest she's ever been there and there was a point about midway through and I'm just I'm, trying to midway through her two week stay, and I'm trying to remember exactly what happened and if I can't for the life of me if I could I would tell you but something happened and I was feeling self-conscious and I and I just said that so I she's I feel really self-conscious I might have been around being sick I, I, I've been pretty sick for about five days and and whatever it was I felt vulnerable and I was self-conscious and and to some extent felt like I wasn't showing up I wasn't showing up in the way I wasn't showing up in a way that matched the image I had created for how I wanted to show up how I wanted her to see me does that make sense I wasn't doing that and so I told her I said look this is not you know it's not how I want to show up and she said actually um, when you do show up and just be this way you know it's like actually something I was trying to change about myself she says I feel much safer much safer and this is what I'm talking about when we allow ourselves to be fully human and to let in any parts that are maybe not our best self but are part of our actual self we give others permission to be their whole self to just actually be who they are and how they are right we're not setting up false uh parameters or scripts for how to be we're not setting up an idealized uh way of performing that is impossible to match or read So we can be human, we can be ordinary together, and that starts to feel really safe, right? We can let our guard down, and other people can let their guard down, right? So, secondly, we we remove the pressure and the strain of inauthenticity. Have you noticed how hard it is, like these different masks that we wear, do you notice how hard it is to keep those masks on sometimes? right uh, it's, it it takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of energy to not be authentic and to not be authentic it, to be authentic you have to let all of these different parts express themselves in relationship to other people and that creates that creates a lot of ease right so thirdly we know what parts of ourselves (coughs) deserve attention so we're aware though we're accepting we're practicing accepting and opening to ourselves we know what parts of ourselves we might give a particular kind of attention to that we want to shift adjust tweak or change so we're not saying we just become aware of all the parts and pieces of ourselves and and disconnect from wanting to change or improve or grow we're not saying that but we have to see what's really here in order to be able to change anything we have to get rid of the layers of illusion and delusion and repression in order to even know what we're dealing with (coughs) right and invariably to do this work we we we, uh, it's not that we have to cultivate kindness or compassion but that we are cultivating kindness and self-compassion as we start to do this we, we really can't do it without strengthening those qualities there's no... all of the, all of the mask wearing and inauthenticity uh, is itself a kind of aggression that is the opposite of kindness toward oneself so just when, when we let ourselves be who we are that's a great expression of, of kindness and compassion And then ultimately we're uh, we're vulnerable we're o- we're actually open this is what we're trying to do in practice we're trying to open we're trying to open and be present and vulnerable and we think we have these concepts that suggest, there's a particular way of doing that and we usually those ways are usually oriented around experiences that we foresee as being pleasant but the idea is that we can wake up in any moment you know some of the times that i felt most connected most alive were in uh, most free were in the context of great difficult being with someone who's dying and just letting letting them just in the mind letting go of all its ways of creating order and logic and like just you know uh, or it, after like the lot like separating from a loved one you know like a relationship ends and you know fighting pushing the pain away pushing it the, and then just letting the pain come in like the sad and just like be, you know just when we say wake up we I mean uh fully experience life and fully experience the not-self nature of oneself and and really just, you know, what's really here that I can hold on to. So, lastly, if we can get better at this, we position ourselves in relationship to be seen. We position ourselves in relationship to be seen Right? To be seen, to be validated. You know what I mean by this, right? To be seen, to be validated, to be acknowledged. Um, to be seen and not changed. Just to be seen for the sake of being seen. Right? So to be seen in this way is one of the most healing and transformative things that can occur in our life. And to be validated and seen in this way is, in my own language, to be loved, right? But no one can see us if we don't reveal ourselves. No one can see us if we don't reveal ourselves. It's totally impossible. So if we really want to be loved, we have to be willing to be seen.